today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We are getting closer and closer uh, to the beginning of the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump, uh, which is expected to get underway next week. And Democrats have formally laid out their arguments uh, for the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. An 80-page brief was filed accusing Trump of inciting the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Andrew Deinbert has the details. Trump's new legal team in their 14-page response saying the Senate lacks jurisdiction to remove from office a man who does not hold office. And one of his lawyers saying this to Fox News. Can you imagine any American citizen considering it to be a trial in which the judge and jury has already announced publicly that the uh, defendant must be convicted in this case? And Trump's legal team arguing that Trump's speech before the Capitol riot is protected under the First Amendment. Andrew Dimber, ABC News, Washington. Of course, it's not lost on a lot of people that uh, that very same lawyer that was talking on Fox News saying that uh, the Democrats had already made up their mind. It's very similar to what uh, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans did during the first impeachment trial, too, wasn't it? But anyway, I digress. So what is going to be happening? And there's so many other things happening in, in the U.S. political scene, too, especially the infighting within uh, the Republican Party. Joining us to talk about all of this is uh, Wayne Petrosi, who is a professor of the Department of Politics and Public Administration at Ryerson University. Professor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, as I look at uh, the argument that Trump's lawyers are making and what the Democrats made uh, a couple of days ago with the, the brief that they put out here, I, uh, the old political phrase, I guess, that words matter really comes into play. They're, uh, they're parsing just about everything that was said by Donald Trump, by Rudy Giuliani and everything else. And uh, it's the same statement, that, but boy, depending on whose eyes are looking through it, a much different interpretation of what was said. Well, it, it certainly is, and uh, but let's be be clear here: the uh, invoking the First Amendment protected speech uh, argument is one was predictable, and and one that's bound to uh, have the favor of Trump's base. This idea that uh, if government puts anything in the way of my ability to say whatever I want about whoever I want, then this is a limitation on my freedom. But you know, there are lots of cases that have already been ruled on in very many areas where the right to free speech is not unlimited. Well, exactly, and, and, and I guess that's one of the buttons that the Democrats want to push here right now is that, uh, well, the word they used, I think, oftentimes in their 80-page summary uh, was incite, and, and that seems to be the essence of this. Uh, this interestingly, though, because we got a brief overview of what uh, the Trump team, the legal team, uh, may be uh, talking about next week as well, and they, their assertion... Uh, is that uh, there was nothing improper about his plea with the, the, the attorney, uh, state attorney, of course, down in Georgia to find votes for him, uh, and he would not even concede the falsity of him telling rally goers on January 6th that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. It, 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 he stands by those words, and, you know, that obviously is part of the reason for the incitement, etc., but he just uh, will not bend in this by any way, shape, or form. That's true, and in a sense, in a more uh, in a more comedic uh, context, one might appreciate that. Uh, the famous episode from Seinfeld, where George Costanza uh, carried on for most of the half-hour show, uh, demonstrating that if I don't think it's a lie, it's not a lie. Uh, and you know, here we have not a comedian, but. Uh, the President of the United States insisting that if I don't believe it's a lie, it's not a lie, and therefore I can I can say it without without consequence. Well, and and that's it. You know, since I say it, it's true. And and I guess 
he feels comfortable doing that, I would think, Professor, because he knows his base is going to buy it. Yeah, they, you know, they, they certainly will buy it. In fact, you know, you've watched, even within the party, a growing number even of members beginning to refer to the base as more, as a, more like a cult than as a party. And uh, certainly there are, are manifestations of that in the behavior of, of some of Trump's supporters, including some who are elected officials in their own right, sitting in either state legislatures or executive positions or sitting in the House of Representatives in, at the U.S. Congress. Well, and we've seen their, their actions and, and, and their responses over the last couple of days. I think they've changed. Many of them, anyway, have changed significantly. I, I think if this debate had occurred... Uh, on January the 7th or January the 8th when the the insurrection was still fresh in their minds and uh, a number of the people in the, both the, the House and the Senate, you know, had you know, the visions of, of, you know, people banging on their office doors trying to find them and, and do whatever they were going to do with them. But they've changed now. I mean, Rand Paul and others uh, that, that have spoken out about this in the last little while, or Kevin McCarthy, of course, the minority leader yeah, for the Republicans in the House, uh, have just basically done an about face on this and say that, you know, they don't feel that Trump is, is at all responsible for any of this stuff uh, we all i think that was the quote from mccarthy said we're all americans are responsible for this not just donald trump uh and and you know it, it kind of indicates that you know the battle lines have been drawn and we're not moving from that well you know it it, it, it certainly the indicates how shameless some of these politicians are uh you know the argument being uh, put forward that you can't charge a, a man who no longer holds the office well we would also remember that uh on January 7th, Mitch McConnell was asked to, in fact, uh, hold the trial while Trump was in office before January 20th. And he, and his, since his party controls the Senate, and the Senate's the location of the trial, he said no. So they first they turned down the trial while he's in office. Now they invoke the defense that he can't be charged because he's not in office. Uh, I mean, this is, it, you know, the, the shameless nature of their behavior uh, indicates that, you know, for the most, for many of them on January 7th, they were crocodile tears. Mm -hmm. They weren't really all that upset. No, and the arguments, as you mentioned, are really variations on a theme that we've you know, come to see, I mean, especially from McConnell. I mean, you know, that's, that's very similar to the argument they presented, you know, that uh, Obama could not appoint a Supreme Court judge within a year of the election, yet they allowed Trump to do it within a couple of days of the election. Uh, that's, that was fine. So, you know, it, it's, whatever suits them is the way that the policy is going to go. That seems to be uh, the McConnell way, the Rand Paul way, the Lindsey Graham way. Uh, we're used to it, but I guess we don't ever want the fact that we're used to it all of a sudden accept you know give us that impression that that, that kind of behavior is acceptable at least i i'd like to think the american people don't see it that way you know i i think it it's this kind of rank hypocrisy i guess is what provides so much evidence for why americans are so turned off by their politics and why uh, uh they many simply say a pox on all their houses and, and you know it, it's a temptation that we have we really need to resist. Not all politicians are the same. Not all engage in the, in the same type of rank hypocrisy. And it really behooves us to be more discriminating in terms of how we evaluate politicians and not simply consign them to the same scrap heap. 
Speaking of which, what's going on with the Republican Party right now? And, 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 and the, the infighting, and, and some people would think that the, the self-destruction that's happening right now. Uh, you know, we all know the players because they're on the news every day. You got Kevin McCarthy, as I just mentioned, the minority leader, or Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, and, and, of course, people are taking sides in, in all of these battles right now. But I think hardcore Republicans and, and long, lifetime Republicans, like former President George W. Bush and, and others that have weighed in on this, are saying, this is not the Republican Party. What are you people doing? Well, I think what we're seeing are the opening kind of moves in what really is a civil war within the Republican Party. And uh, I don't think it's going to be resolved quickly. I think it's going to manifest itself in a variety of ways, from getting nominations in, in primaries and from fundraising and who gets support and who doesn't. Uh, it, it is, I think, a battle for the soul of the party. And it's early to, too early to know how it's going to turn out, who's going to prevail. But one thing we already do know from some of the polling done at state levels are the number of uh, Republican Party members who are letting their memberships lapse, who basically are, by which they're saying, well, I've had enough of this. This is nonsense. Uh, see you later. And even in, in states that Trump won, that, that is happening. In Texas, he won Texas, and yet party memberships have declined in, in, in the last three months. And the same is true in Iowa and, and, and several other states. So I, I think you know, you're going to see people withdraw from the party who just don't have the stomach for this. You're going to see others who are going to engage in, 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 in the contest. Uh, and so that, I, I think we'll be talking about this for some time to come. But who identifies and who uh, represents the Republican Party right now? Is it is you know is it is it going to be Liz Cheney uh, who's being vilified right now for speaking out of against Trump and, and actually voting in favor of the impeachment? Is it going to be Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, you know, the, the the crazy who represents uh, the QAnon uh, you know whack job philosophies about the forest fires in California being caused by this, a Jewish laser from outer space and on and on like this? And there are people that buy into that. Well, I, I think, for example, the Marjorie Taylor Greene is, an, is, is the easy one to deal with. Uh, she, will be, uh, she will be pushed out, and there, then the narrative will try to be, see, our house is now back in order. But, you know, she represents the extreme of the extreme. And, and the fundamental problem is there is a significant number of, of Republicans at the state and local levels and in the membership who otherwise buy the Trumpian notion that the world is whatever we want to characterize it as, and we can make it and we can ignore anything that doesn't suit us. Uh, and, and I think you have on the other side more mainstream Republicans who define themselves historically as you know conservative on, on matters of finances, uh, hawkish in military and foreign policy affairs, and attached to some you know a smaller form of government. Uh, those policy debates have literally disappeared from Republican forums. And instead, you, you have this cult of personality clash uh, pitting Trump supporters on one side and people who refuse to drink the Kool-Aid on the other side. Well, it's, again, be interesting to see just how it rolls out. We're expecting maybe a guy to get an update about that uh, particular situation uh, 
later on today, and we'll certainly be watching Washington. Professor, thank you so very much for the time. It was great to get your insight on a very, very sticky well, issue. And, great and talking with you. Take care. Professor Wayne Petrosi uh, from uh, Public Administration, of course, and the Department of Politics at Ryerson University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.